Welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta, where we are committed to changing lives with faith, hope, and love. We're so glad you are here. Now a second scripture lesson from the New Testament book of James. James chapter 1, verses 17 to 27. Again, I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. Every generous act of giving with every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. In fulfillment of his own purpose, he gave us birth by the word of truth so that we would become a kind of first fruits of his creatures. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. For your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourselves of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves and on going away immediately forgot what they were like. For those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not hearers who forget but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. If anything, they are religious, but do not bridle their tongues, but deceive their hearts. Their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows and their distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have you ever imagined that you do one thing, like really give someone a piece of your mind, only to completely lose your nerve? My wife Sarah and I watch TV together every night, just an episode or two. A few weeks ago, we were watching a show where the main character tells her best friend, who's recently divorced, exactly what she's going to say the next time she runs into her best friend's ex-husband because she has already prepared the speech. Should it be in the grocery store or in front of children on a playground, it doesn't matter. Young ears are, are going to be exposed to some harsh language, and that's just the way it must be because this man hurt her best friend, left her to take care of all those children by herself, and he is going to get it. Well, two or three days later, she has her chance because there he is in the grocery store. Only despite this woman's intentions, she practically ends up inviting him over for dinner. Has it ever been this way with you? you? You imagine yourself again and again telling someone off. You rehearse the words. You even practice them in the, the mirror in your bathroom. But then you see them in the grocery store and you somehow hear yourself saying, well, it's so good to see you too. When are we going to get together again? Of course, sometimes it's good that we keep our mouths shut 
But our second scripture lesson calls us to bridle our tongues, not lose our nerve. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror, for they look at themselves and on going away, immediately forget what they were like. We're in the book of James today. We will be into the end of next month. And James pushes us again and again to be doers of the word, to put our faith into action, to work at following through on our best intentions. I like that about James, though it is a book not often celebrated by Presbyterians or many Protestants. In fact, According to legend, the great 16th century German reformer Martin Luther led his students out to the river with their Bibles, had them turn to the book of James, tear it out, and throw it into the water to be swept away. For he felt its emphasis on doing went against his deep conviction that there is nothing we can do to earn God's approval. Grace alone saves us, he said again and again, and not our works. Luther is right about that, of course. It is grace that saves us. We don't do good to win God's favor. We can never be so pure as to deserve our salvation. God's love for us is like all love. It is a free gift that we learn to accept and strive to be worthy of, not a title that we work for. No, what we work for is approval. And approval and love are not the same thing. Approval matters to us, however. You learn how much approval matters when you look into the mirror and you know who you are. You know what you want, what you're going to say, and where you are going to go. But upon walking away from the mirror and out into the world, you forget what you are like because you want to be liked by someone else. Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, of course you do. Uh, Luther was so led by his convictions to rip out pages of the Bible, while we are often like teenagers who know themselves when they look into a mirror but forget themselves in the backseat of a car. This passage is also a good one for parents who, like me, put a face mask in their pockets before leaving the house with every intention of putting it on in any social situation while I find myself first scanning the group before taking the face mask out of my pocket. Why? Back to Martin Luther. Martin Luther didn't like the book of James, that's true. Still, there is a lot we can learn about him, about putting our faith into action. During a plague, someone asked him if it was okay to leave town and, and run away from the spreading disease to save himself and his family, or if it was better to trust God and to risk infection. This is what he said. I shall ask God to mercifully protect us. Then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine, and take it. 
I shall avoid places and people where my presence is not not needed so as to uh, not cause death by my negligence. If God should wish to take me, he will surely know where to find me, and I have done all he expected of me. If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall avoid any person or place, but will go freely. I'm so impressed by this response for a number of reasons. For one reason, this response shows that there is a way to be faithful and to pay attention to science. And for another, Luther is entirely focused on what he's going to do and not on what anyone else is going to do. He doesn't leave town to save himself, nor does he cast blame on anyone else. He's focused on himself and what he's going to do, and in this world, that is all we can count on. We can't count on the government to do it for us. We can't always count on the schools to get it right. As Luther put his intention in writing, he was solely focused on what he was going to do, what he had decided, and then he walked out into the world to be that person exactly. This is how it's done. How did he do it? Where's that kind of confidence come from? One more story about Martin Luther. Every morning he'd wake up and he'd splash water on his face and on his head and he'd say to himself, remember that you were baptized. Remember that Christ called you by name. Remember that you are his, claimed and redeemed, washed in the water, set free, made worthy, called precious in God's sight. Don't worry what they say. Don't let the world defile you. Make God's approval, which you already have, count for more than the approval of the world, which you will never get. Do you know how important that is? Did you know that there's no way you'll ever make it if you can't be who you were created to be, who you see yourself as in the mirror out in the world? Some people need a little help doing it, and so one of the sayings of Narcotics Anonymous that I just learned from a new friend is, just for today... I will have faith in someone who believes in me. Just for today, I'm going to believe that I am worth loving and God already does. Just for today, I'm going to believe that I am okay without their approval. Just for today, I'm going to take God's word for it, that I am worthy, I am worth knowing, I am valued, I am beautiful, I am precious, I am capable, I am good. And I don't need the approval of this world, for I am destined not for this world, but for the new kingdom that is coming. That's what it takes. For if we don't know that we have a valuable opinion, how will we ever get the words out of our mouth? 
If we don't know that we have something to offer, how will we ever be able to really live? If we don't know that we are worthy of love, how are we ever going to get the courage to ask someone out on a date? Talking about meaning to get words out and then losing our nerve. Has anyone here ever meant to ask a girl out on a date only to wind up asking her about the weather? Anybody else? Last Sunday, Errol Eckford and Chris Harrison took the middle school youth group to Mountasia. Mountasia is a place to play putt-putt out by Town Center Mall, but back in my day, if you really liked a girl, you invited her to play putt-putt out Mountasia. It's incredibly, it's an incredibly romantic place, as you can imagine. <laughs> And just thinking of that place brought back butterflies to my stomach. Uh, do you remember the first time you asked a girl out on a date? Or do you remember wanting a boy to invite you to go do something like play putt-putt? Do you remember what falling in love feels like? One of my favorite movies is Love Actually. In that movie, a young boy named Sam who falls, you know, that, in that movie, there's a young boy named Sam who falls in love. His dad is relieved when he finds out that Sam has fallen in love because he thought there was something really wrong with his son for he'd not left his room in days or maybe even weeks. I'm a little relieved, Sam. I thought it would be something worse. Worse than the total agony of being in love, his son says. Do you know what he's talking about? It's painful because there is risk involved in love. You know what you feel, but you don't know if she feels the same way. Your heart could break at any moment, but it also might leap like a gazelle. It is a risky situation and anxiety. Anxiety could keep you from saying anything at all. If you don't know that you are someone special too, you probably won't say anything. That's the truth of the matter. And so, we notice in the Song of Solomon, our first scripture lesson, that the young man is standing behind the wall just looking through the lattice. Why is he hiding there instead of going to the door or stepping out into the open? It's because he's looked himself in the mirror and now he must decide what he's going to be like out in the world. Do you remember what that felt like? Living the Christian life is not so different. What's the call? The call is to love our neighbor as ourselves, which means doing something, not just talking about doing something. The call is to turn away from our old lives, which probably means turning away from some old friends. Now, that's a risk. You risk losing their acceptance. The whole Christian calling is a terribly risky thing, so find confidence in this. It is a risk that God has taken first. Throughout the ages, there were many who thought that the Song of Solomon 
a book of love poetry, had no place in the Bible, that it should be taken out as Martin Luther ripped out the book of James. It was saved, however, by the understanding that the young man who longs to pledge his love to the young woman is God. And who is the young woman? Who holds the young man's tender heart in her hands? Whose yes could have him leaping like a gazelle and whose no could break him? She's you. She's me. Remember that. And with the confidence of one of God's beloved, Speak your truth. Stand your ground. Live your life. And remember who you are, that you were not just a hearer of the word, but you were created to be a doer. Take the risk. Step out in faith, remembering that God has done it first. Amen. This podcast is a ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta. Come join us Sundays at 189 Church Street, Marietta, Georgia, or visit us online at fpcmarietta.org.